to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. This week, we will be discussing the latest episode. The Sound of Thunder. I am Ethan, as always, I am joined by... Kevin. But... Crying. Before we get to that episode, we'd like to tell you about our upcoming enterprise. With CBS All Access expanding its lineup with the new Twilight Zone, we will be making a Twilight Zone podcast. Uh, it is called As Timeless as Infinity, a Twilight Zone podcast. We're really excited to tackle this show. Uh, it looks really good from what we've seen. Uh, neither Kevin nor I are super experts or hardcore Twilight Zone people, but nope. you know, it's we're fans. Else. But we're not gonna not not. I wouldn't say as detailed as we are with right. uh, with Trek. But we, we will try. We will we, try. I. I really love anthology shows, and that's mostly what I'm excited about. Yeah. But our Twitter is at for approval. F O R approval, not number four. F O R approval. True. Yes. And that title again, as timeless as infinity, colon a Twilight Zone podcast. The show comes out April first, and uh, we'll probably uh, you know kind of follow the same type of thing we've done been doing with this one. Yes. <clears throat> Have an episode out, you know. A couple days after the new one, after a new episode comes out, so yeah, so we've been double double duty for a while. No, yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe we'll try to get something else. Just means we have to see each other that. more, which yeah. or we're just going to do marathon podcasting sessions. Yeah, right. All right, so we're not going to put the bonus content at the beginning because that wouldn't be right. So no, let's get straight to, to the episode. So, um, yes, the sounds of thunder. Sounds of thunder. So, so we had some movement on some platforms. Finally. Sort of. Sort of. But, uh, so, sort of at a high level, um, I, I enjoyed the episode a lot. Um, and I saw that some of your theories about Saru were beginning to come true. Uh, yeah, pretty He seemed to be on. exerting his confidence a little too much. Right. Almost to the point of, almost to the point of aggression. Aggression, arrogance, yep. um, defiance, he knows mm-hmm. best. Which makes perfect sense. If he's lived with fear his whole life and it's suddenly gone, now every option seems possible. Right. But this now may happen with all of his people. Granted, they're not in Starfleet, but... Right, and as we as it was revealed... Yep. They are... Predators, mm-hmm. I guess. That's a bad so, thing, I suppose. Which, yeah. Which made me wonder now is... Which now brought to mind me their running capability. Were they actually chasing? Maybe they weren't running away. Maybe they were running That's toward. what I'm saying. They were chasing. Oh, that's they were brilliant. chasing the, the bowel. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So before they became the uh, highly evolved species that yeah. they were. Fun fact about running in Predators. Yeah. I can see his face is just... Oh boy, what do we got here? So one theory as to how humans were able to survive, yeah. early humans, is yeah. that... They would chase um, large creatures like uh, woolly mammoth, mm-hmm. but because humans could run for so long, they would run it to exhaustion, and then when it collapsed, then they would kill it. So, <clears throat> keep that in mind. Interesting. Yeah, so big picture, I liked it, and I didn't like it. Or, rather, I have bones to pick with it. So, we'll get we'll get there. Do you think McCoy ever said, I have a bone to pick with you? No, that would be silly. <laughs> I just, Bones was a lot that. of things. He wasn't silly. <laughs> it just occurred to me. Sorry. I didn't mean to break that up. But go ahead. Go ahead. I have a bone to pick with you, Spock. And it's me. Bones. Um, well, if you want to start us off at the beginning, because my notes kind of start in the middle. 
Um, um, so beginning, uh, you know, we we see Saru sort of giving his giving a giving a log entry at this point, yeah, giving a quote unquote entry. captain's log. But, but it's more like doing, a, they don't do the. I've noticed they're not doing that. They're not doing like the star date, such and such. Really. Yeah. Well, they don't want to have any problems from the continuity freaks. Well, we know where it's said. Yeah. Um, but no, it begins with that, and there's yeah, there's a red burst, or there's a um, a signal, not a red burst, but a signal over um, over Kamenar. I And I keep I keep calling this planet Kanamar because that was the name of an Enterprise episode. Kanamar. This is this is Kamenar. Have you checked to see if they're related? Yes. They're not because Kanamar okay. Kanamar was the name of a ship on Enterprise, and it began with a C instead of a K. So. I wonder if they recycled the names or they just. It's got to be coincidental. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we finally get to go back to Saru's homeworld ever since the uh, uh, the short trek. Right. I just do just want to say. Now we have Saru doing the opening, like we said, not a captain's log, more of a right. more of a dear diary, because they're waxing yeah. poetic about life and the strangeness yeah. of the universe and what they're going through. So it's interesting. We've been Michael for a while, and now we're going to Saru. I wonder if we're going to go through everybody. Yeah, but they're not doing a first officer's log type of deal. Right. As the other characters do. Here's the interesting shows. thing. The Saru one almost sounds like it could have been Michael, the way it was written, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have distinct voices, I don't think. Yeah. It was just that cold, like, the universe is so big and we're so... Uh, whatever. But, yeah. okay, first epic. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so we go to we go to Kaminar to, to find that out. And, of course, the signal dis- disappears as soon as they get there. But as soon as they go to Kaminar, of course, like, Saru kind of, like, springs into action. Yeah, springs into action. Exerting unbelie- an unbelievable amount of... Like, I don't even know if I want to say confidence. No, no. It wasn't confidence. It was just like... He was breaking protocol. Control. Like, you need to you need to let me take care of the situation. I mean, he was sitting in the captain's chair, for God's sake, because he wouldn't even give it back to Pike. Like, he didn't even realize. Like, he's like, oh, sorry. Very similar to when Tilly did that with Lorca when she was had to play Captain Killy. Right. Remember that moment? Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, right? But he didn't say sorry. He was just... He kind of, like, gave it up. He was like, oh, right. I have to give this back to you now, don't I? Yes, and he, there was never any awareness, even after he was called out on these things, that, oh, wait, I'm this is against all my training. I should right. not be interrupting the captain when he's communicating with the species right. for the first time. I mean, that's insane. But the, 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 the interesting thing to me is that he is exerting this now, you know, obviously because they're at his homeworld, but, you know, he lost those about two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Yes. I want to say. So in between then... Has he been going around shooting people with his uh, spikes? <laughs> spikes. Yeah, that was that's weird, wasn't it? Well, I mean, it was awesome, but that was yeah. It's interesting symbolically that it changed from a yeah from a fear to a aggression right device. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that when we talked to, we talked a couple weeks ago, and I was saying that I wonder how losing his threat ganglia is going to affect him. You know, you were saying that I thought it was going to affect him more positively. You were saying maybe more negatively. Yeah, no, I think it seems bad. like it seems at this point that's kind of where it's going. I mean, it could keep going. I mean, I think he's right now is in hot water. Yeah, and I, I so I even made a note here. Um, it was I wrote <laughs> Saru rampage, and then Saru becomes villain? Question mark. Like, what if he just continues down this road? That would be interesting. Yeah, and then actually, if he became an aggressor that they had to deal with, oh, that would be such a great character transformation yeah i mean it's it's not too dissimilar to when um seven of nine would encounter the borg oh, yeah. on voyager and she would be like you know, i need to borgy symbol i need to signals. take in, like she would basically need to be the one to be in control of the situation 
Right. And um, and she wouldn't take a no for an answer. No, I mean, it, it wasn't that she didn't exert confidence. It was just the fact that, like, she knew everything about them. And, yeah. you know, obviously she, she was human, but she was still sort of regaining her abilities. And she didn't really fully comprehend the chain of command fully. So she would sort of take initiative on her own and just do it and break protocol. But in her mind, it wasn't wrong. It was just like, I'm not in Starfleet. Right. I don't need to. So Saru doesn't have that. And I'm also not a full-fledged like human at the moment. So, so yeah, not 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 that all much, not that different from uh, from Seven of Nines. Except he knows better. He does. And he understands the chain of command. He does all, all too well. So well, yeah. But even then, he wasn't fully respecting it in that moment. No, I mean beyond that, I mean that could be. I would assume that could be disciplinary action territory. Yeah. Because he undermined first contact. Well, I guess not really first contact. Because did you catch this strange thing? The Ba'ul said, uh, Starfleet has uh, guaranteed us they will not interfere with our dealing with the Galpians or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but then Michael said that General Order 1 may not apply to, doesn't apply to them. It's it's more of a judgment call with co- making contact with the Galpians. She said it was a judgment call. Yeah, Why? Well, I think because they were not probably because they're not the dominant species on the planet. I don't so, know if that. I've never heard of that exception. Yeah, I don't. So well, they could. I don't. Rem- but the thing is, I don't remember that being an exception. No, or, no, like, no. What I'm saying is, I don't remember that being that coming up in the past. No, not at all. I mean, like, they, what they could come to Earth, and they could. We're going to talk to the dogs, but not the humans. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. So I don't know. I mean, that's. But, but no, what I'm saying is, I don't know if that should apply. That I don't know if General One should apply to the Kelpians because well, yeah. they're not the dominant species. I think that, that planet they're in t- and there's an intelligence there, but they're not the dominant species, and so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I disagree. I, you know, I love General Order One, but I hate it at the same time because it just it brings up so many questions and just so many debates and just. Well, I guess that's the point of it. That has been the point of it. Yeah. Although it's never black and white. Is the thing. It's always it's always it's too gray. It seems like. Right, but the strange thing is that they knew about the genocide already when they got uh, Saru. Right. And they, as I complained before, they were fine with it. Hmm. And now they're not only because of Saru's... So, we can maybe we can praise Saru for forcing Starfleet to take a position on genocide. Or we could say that Saru's uh, off its... You know, off the... Um, off his plan and off of his normal mm. course of action. Possibly. So, we get an away team in disguise. Yep. Of Saru and Michael. Mm-hmm. Wearing the local rags of the Kelpian people. Back on Saru's homeworld. On that... Which, uh, beautiful beach. I love the sand. The red sand, yeah. Do you think they did that in post? It's digital, yeah. 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 Looked great. Yeah. Um, Probably in LA, right? No, that's in... Uh, no, they said they actually said in the radio room the following day where it was. It was I mean it was in Toronto. Oh, so where they well, well, Canadian beaches. Um, I think I think he said it was in Scarborough someplace. One does not think of Canadian beaches when they think of beaches. Yeah. And he actually said it was very hot that day. And I'm like, it just looks it looks like it's really cold. <laughs> it looks like it's chilly. Yeah. But he's like, no, it was actually very hot that day. Believe huh? Yeah. Maybe I should check out Canada for my next beaching outing. <laughs> you want to go to Kamana? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That would be actually fun. Mm. All right, so. They go down. We get the reuniting of the family here. Yeah, I loved that moment between Saru and his sister being reunited. Yeah. Yeah. Why so? 
I don't know. It was just it was just very nice to see because mm. I, I it was something I secretly wanted ever since I watched his short trek. I wanted him to go back to his world at some point. Yeah, did you be surprised that his dad was dead? Um, I I never really thought of that. Honestly, I didn't yeah. really I didn't dwell too much on it. I didn't dwell on it at all actually. So. I thought it made for a nice addition in that once he left, his dad was chosen, yeah. which seemed like retribution. Hmm. Um, so once there, he feels that he needs to inform everyone of what's going on. Yeah. And his sister is um, skeptical at first. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that reunion, that happy reunion quickly turns to, because she's like, you know, Basically, where have you been? Yeah, you left us. And you're only coming back here for... Yeah, yes, I love yeah, that moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want something? You want help with this Red Angel? Because remember, that was their initial reason to be there with the Red Angel. Right. Um, so who turned it into the... What he turned it into. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that was very interesting. Hmm. Now, one thing that started to come up pretty quickly... It's not clear to me how many Kelpians there are, though. I mean, they say there's multiple villages, but like... For some reason, at least in the short track anyway, like it came off to me as like they were the only ones. Yeah, it did have a very isolated feel. Yeah. Well, for, in another interesting thing, toward the end when we saw the the Baul um, sending their death rays, mm-hmm. if you notice, it only covered a small part of the planet. Right. But now this brings me to something that I want to discuss. Okay. Because if they wanted to know, all they have to do is ask their sphere wikipedia that they now have right so yeah basically so i what do you think of this suddenly i didn't even i watched the sphere episode of course i didn't catch that they now had knowledge about everything ever no neither did i but it's like i mean i remember them discussing that it's just it has vast knowledge of just but yeah like what yeah what exactly does it have it took me out of it because it sort of had this Deus Ex Machina feel of yeah. oh we need the census records of this planet going back a thousand oh yeah yeah we got that. here it is it's in a nice infographic oh yeah yeah we got that here it is yeah don't worry we got an infographic made up Just check it out you can scroll through it it changes by year We're really proud of this one it came out really nice all in a spreadsheet we got it all in spreadsheet yeah. format you can you can sort it by year and everything like that yeah, yeah so that just felt to me uh, like we now have this thing that can have unlimited knowledge whenever they need it. Right. Plot-wise. Yeah. I wonder what happened to... Can that story tell me what happened to Archer and to Paul and everybody? And Right, right. And can it just tell them, like, oh, so what's up with the spore drive? Yeah, what's I don't know. What's going on with the mycelial network? Huh? <laughs> all of these things. All these things. Where are our enemies hiding? Well, I guess they're not at war. I mean, I assume it just has a history of everything that's encountered that has encountered it. Right. One would think. Because don't forget, like, it it had, yeah, I mean, I, think, I assume that's where it got those databases from, because it was trying to make contact, and it just ended up getting everything from Discovery. So I feel like it's everything that that thing has encountered in its life. That's what it has. Yeah. It's a brain. It's just acquired, like, okay, I'm at this, I'm at that, and I just have, it's just stored into my, in, yeah. in its memory. But was it on this planet for thousands of years to know how many people were there at every different point? No. Probably in the database. <laughs> Do they have databases? I don't know. Well, anyway, I want more answers on the sphere. Yeah. <laughs> because it's very convenient. Yeah. We sure it's on a Zindi sphere left over from a... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't get destroyed when the uh, 
The Delphic Expanse kind of collapsed by then. Right. Oh, as you notice, as you note, I always look at costumes, and Michael had a very nice white Starfleet shirt through the whole episode, mm-hmm. almost. That was interesting. Never saw that before. It had a smaller delta on it. Yep. Uh, it was nice. Was, I actually know? didn't notice that. Well, there's something in Lululemon you could pick up. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, but, yeah, no, I didn't really, it didn't really occur to me too much that Saru's dad was no longer with us, but I was like, okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and added this level of old, level of revenge to the bowel. That yeah. Before, maybe you could buy into the fact that it was just a, an actual, like, we must maintain the order. Yeah. But then it seemed sort of personal. Um, I, I don't see your notes, but, you know... I don't know if so. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but the Baul themselves. Yes. When we finally got to see them. Um, yes. So the as I was watching the episode, every time I went to a commercial break, you know, I would check Twitter and just you know chat about stuff with people and see what they were saying. And you know, of course, when we first see the the Baul, well, actually, hold on, let me let me back a little. So when Saru first goes aboard the Baul, the first thing that sticks out to me was. He's on Discovery's transporter room set. I could tell it was like the same set, just for oh, purpose, right? Yeah, it was exactly the same. I didn't even notice that. And then he gets, um, you know, and then it's like he's in Destiny. You know, all of these little drones come after him, and it's like it's like your little companion that you I've have. Never played that game. Yeah, it's like your little your little buddy there from Destiny that you have. Um, okay. And then, but then we actually see the bubble reveal itself. Yeah, my first thought was the ring. We'll see. My first thought, and then that's what I saw on on Twitter was that it was just like Armas from TNG's Skin of Evil, the thing that killed Tasha Yar. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, so, I saw that after when I looked things up. Right. But I didn't catch but, it. But. but I remember when I told you about this, well, first, because you said you hadn't finished the episode yet because you said you fell asleep. I fell asleep five minutes fun. in and I woke up with five minutes left. And I was like, yeah, when you're done, you're gonna, there's a next-gen episode you're going yeah. to have to check out, and you'll know which one I mean as soon yeah. as it's over. And so when I asked you today, I'm like, you watch it? You go, no, I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> no, I did not know what you were talking about. So, yeah, the, the, the famous episode of Next Gen, not a very, I mean, there are worse episodes, but uh, it's the episode where Tasha Yar is killed. And um, she is killed by this, on this planet, who's the, planet, the name of the planet escapes me. But this, by the base of this black oil slick that takes the form of a human. This humanoid, humanoid form. And it looks... And the bowl will look almost exactly like it. You know, the big difference, obviously, is that the bowl will have these pulsating red eyes. They have long, sort of spindly arms with, like, spiked fingers. Okay. Armist didn't have that. But yeah. at the same time, just like, well, you know, budget, whatever. So, um, so even though Armist doesn't say I am, you know, a species of this... What he, what Armus actually is, was, and I'm going into this because this is so I can tell you that unfortunately he is not a member of the bubble, <laughs> at least as far as we know so far. Because Armus is the result of a race of titans who left, who left this planet, but they evolved to a point where they were able to shed all of their negative, sort of evil tendencies, and that all of those negative emotions sort of took the form of. It's kind of like kind of like the slime in Ghostbusters too. The, the negative oh, emotions yes. of New York City become this pink slime flow into the yes. city. So it's kind okay. of the same. So definitely know, kind of the same concept. Be. So Ghostbusters two stole from Skin of Evil. Um, <laughs> so um, now there's no. They don't go. It's kind of a gray area. Like they don't really say. Well, is it just Armas or did are the other more like him? But 
we're kind of led to believe that Armas is isolated because it's on that planet by himself. Makes so sense. I highly doubt it's like right. There's a whole species, which is too bad. Yeah. Not that that particular one isn't, but it could have been. Well, an I, think, I think connection. just because like it, it. At first, I'm like, this can't be a coincidence. Like the fact that they're so similarly designed like this, but. Well, I, I guess it's just. Uh, but either way, the fucking things are terrifying. The oh way yeah, they sounded and it's just the way like, that they talked was very creepy. I mean, it kind of checked all the boxes of like evil sci-fi villain, but yes. But as we so, find out, because of the census data, mm-hmm. um, no, not not an evil villain, but merely a f- species that was almost you know pushed to extinction that found a way to um, not be pushed to extinction because of yeah. calling. Yeah, that was a very that was an odd twist. We find out that the Kelpians are actually the ones who were actually the predator species chasing after them. Yes, I thought that was very interesting because we kept saying like, well, why are they why why can they run so fast? Yeah, I thought they when were with Saru's thing, I'm like, it doesn't seem like I'm like I'm assuming they're running from whatever's chasing after them. But what probably happened is I was saying that they're chasing. These they things. were they were chasing. Now the I wonder goal. if these things look like they look when we see them then because. I yeah, couldn't I see it, like, just... Well, that's the other thing, because... Like, oil slicking around the forest. Well, like, what are you going to... Yeah, I would think, like, if it's living in a oil slick, like, in a... I don't know, like, in a pond or something, it's easy to go to go get it. Oh, that's true, too. You're not chasing anything. Yeah. But, Armus, on his oil slick and Skin of Evil, was able to actually... Ah, uh, okay. Move. So that's right. Oh, so there we go. Like, it all sticks in it and leaves. But... So here's the interesting thing. So they figure it out. <laughs> they figure it out by using the sphere. Right. But who figures it out? Well, it's Tilly. Yeah. And a couple things about the Tilly area. Tilly, who we don't get Michael enough of in this. Who we don't get enough of. This. I'm fine with a little break from Tilly. Okay. We had so much with the, with the uh, what's her name? Her her Jamaican comrade. May. May. <laughs> um. So Tilly. First off, mm. after this is all going on, yep. Tilly knows what's happening. Right. Michael goes in to check on Tilly's progress, and Tilly says to Michael. Will they kill Saru? Very concerned. Yeah. Tilly, have you been following what's going on here? They're genociding the whole planet. Yeah, they're going to kill Saru. What's going to stop them from killing Saru? It was the weirdest question. Keeping Saru on the ship and getting out of there at warp 8. That's right. But for her to think like, oh wait, it's possible. Are they really going to kill him? They've been killing an entire planet. Mm. Now, the best part, Arium is in there working. They'll be working with Arium. I actually just met her. (laughs) <laughs> because we, as the audience, only ch- really met her. Like, she had lines. Right. Finally. But, I mean, the, the weird thing is, like, they've been on the bridge together multiple times. They just never really... I think that was a joke for us, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Because we have never really... I really... Her. Interesting. Did you notice that camera angle with, like, that... You think super right? close-up? I was like, whoa. That was great. At first, I thought, like, wow, they're going to give her a close-up and no lines. But then she got lines. Yeah. Arium looks just like this video game called Mighty Number no. 9. This character from... Really? It's a yeah. good game? No. It's like a Mega Man knockoff made by the guy who made Mega Man, and it sucks. I'm sorry to say. Oh, can it be a knockoff if you made the original? I shouldn't say it's a knockoff, <laughs> but like he, yeah. Okay. It was as close as you could get to Mega Man without crossing legal yeah, lines, yeah. basically. And you put on from the creator of Mega Man, more or less. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I like getting some lines. She didn't really have a personality, but I like to see her. Yeah. And it hasn't really been. You know, explain what she is yet in the in the show. We've had to look that up, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm. Also, um, what else? Okay, so they're looking at this. They're seeing the evolution. 
Michael makes a point here. So it's out for discussion. The Ba'ul can only know about the evolutionary consequences of Vahiri if they experience them. Hmm. I don't remember that line. That was one of Michael's um, realizations when they were looking at the, mm-hmm. at the census data. Read that again. Okay. The Ba'ul can only know about the evolutionary consequences of Ahari, which is, you know, the spikes. Yep. If they experience them. Which they did when Saru got on board. I mean, the fact is that the Ba'ul were... The Ba'ul were, were scared of the Kelpians. Right. On further watching, that wasn't as ridiculous as I thought it was. Hmm. <laughs> but the thing is, though, it makes you wonder at the, t- at the same time, though, because, like, if I'm a Ba'ul, hmm. I'm afraid of Saru and the Kelpians now, more so now, because they don't have their threat ganglia. But you have to think, so when the Kelpians were hunting them, were they, did they not, did they still have their threat ganglia then? And they're hunting them even though they're scared? Were they hunting them because they were scared of them? So they were going after them? Well, what probably happened was, I assume, this is my thought of it, there's sort of an adolescence phase for the Kelpians. Yeah. They have them. Yep. Then they lose them. Right. And then they entered the mature phase, so those would have been like the adults that would have done the hunting and whatnot. They kept the scaredy. But his dad had them. So, here's my thought on that. If you select for generations for people, I don't know, it seems like, all right, evolution-wise, the ones that get it later are going to live longer, are going to have more kids, so then that's going to become like a trait that's evolved into the people, is that they hold on to their gang right. longer. But in this case, they forced them. They forced it out of all of them. Right. So that comes into the interesting thing where yeah. um, Saru goes on his rampage. In the, mm-hmm. And then the crew adopts this forced evolution of an entire planet really, really quickly. Too quickly for me. I watched him saying it. And I watched Pike listening. Yep. And I could see the wheels turning. And I was waiting like, all right, come on, Pike. Come on, Pike. You've got to put a stop to this. Mm-hmm. You cannot do this. And then yeah. he said... He made some kind of um, uh, a very weak thing. Like, it's, are we sure this is okay? Yeah. And they kind of said, yeah, it's okay. And said, okay. And then they forced the evolution of an entire planet. Yeah, Pike, I mean, even in this episode, Pike was very kind of taken a backseat. And aside from, like, throwing out some threats at the Ba'ul, like, he wasn't really... He wasn't too formidable in this episode. No, I mean, it was kind of cool when he said, when they were going, so that's another good scene. When they were going, um, the bottle said, return this Kelpian to us. Yeah. And he said, he is one of us. Right. And yeah. Defend. That was, that, yeah, that yeah. was, that, 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 like, like, yeah. that was good. Yeah. But, again, they're so quick to throw out the big philosophies of, of, um, the prime directive. Mm-hmm. Very quickly. Without much debate. I would like to see, you know, let's go into my sit-down ready room that I talked about so much that we haven't used, and let's talk about this. Okay. Right. At least weigh the consequences. Right. All right. If we force these people to evolve. We'll do that, but we only have 15 minutes left in the episode, so we don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that's true. Well, they could have shortened the um, sort of pin to the wall bit a, a little. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's, a, that's more of a next generation thing. Like I know, but I want some of that. 
Yeah. I understand it's not that. I want a little bit of it. I think in that Next Gen episode when they first encounter the board, they go into that conference room like three times. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. It was a little excessive. You were yeah. Like, the second time I thought was bad, and I'm like, oh my god. Well, let me ask you, did that stand out to you in that moment? That, you know, this decision is being made, this drastic decision is being made rashly and, and without much input. It stuck out to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just... No, it didn't stick out to me. Okay. No. Maybe I'm, maybe my radar for... I think I was just... Is, I think I think you're... Uh... Your ganglia. My third ganglia was up. uh, My prime directive ganglia. My prime directive ganglia was up, possibly. Yeah. No, like, I think because I was too... I was too into the kind of... The... I mean, I don't know if this is going to sound cheesy, but, like, it was all too pulse-pounding. And, like, I just didn't feel like there was any kind of moment to take a break and really kind of... No, let's discuss this. It was very kind of, got to do this quickly. Yeah. There's no time to, like, stop and reflect on what our next move should be. And that's where I was in the pulse pounding, and then some of those moments came, and then I was just taken out, yeah. pondering, like, wait, what? Because I think, well, I think if they stopped and did that, then it would have taken me out of the... Yeah. yeah. I mean, because what I said on Twitter when I was watching, I said, I said, this to me has the excitement of TOS's Balance of Terror. Mm. When, that's when they're going head-to-head with the Romulans. And ima- now imagine that episode, taking a moment, there's only one moment in the episode where they actually stop to have a discussion but it's not even about like what we should do next mm. it's about strategizing actually it's kind of about what we should do next but it's not like they're not debating moral moral and ethical issues they're like you know they talk about like you know this is what the Romulan ship is made of it's how are we going to blow them up we, exactly <laughs> yeah you know and I've, so if you can imagine ship, so they've already had contact with right so. but can you imagine you know Kirk stopping and like alright wait let's go discuss this before we shoot them well no not in that yeah Okay, I sort of see your point. <laughs> but they weren't going to shoot the uh, Discovery. Right. So here's the thing, though. Why were they f- forcing the evolution again? Because they because they knew, I think, that the Bow were afraid of the Kelpians. Mm-hmm. And the best way, I think, for the Kelpians to pose a significant threat to them was for them to not be afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And they can launch their spikes at them. Which they had to develop the, right. a shield for. Right. A shield for some. But essentially shooting fingernails. Because remember they explained, they're like, oh, it's a character. But at the same time, I, mean, I think I think it, what happens is it increases their chances for survival. But the Kelpians are not... The difference is the Kelpians... Because when, when Pike said, I don't want to start a war, I thought to myself, that war would be really quick. Because the Kelpians are not technologically... Yeah. The, the Kelpians are not technologically advanced. Right. So, a war be quick, yeah. And I don't know if he meant a war between them or a war between right. Starfleet and the Bowel. Oh, that's true, too. It could have been that. Could but, um, So this is um, this leads to where we can have the fun discussion that they didn't have. Right. So, given that logic, let's say they come across another planet and there's one group of people that are more powerful... Than another group of people, they have better weapons. Does that mean that Discovery should drop a bunch of weapons down for the weak people so that then they can stand a chance against them? Because it's the same logic. Um, yeah, be- you know, I'm going to tell you why. Okay, because you are um, emote emoting. Well, you are saying kind of what Kirk said 
on a TOS episode. Awesome. Um, I'm a good company. I want to say it's Errand of Mercy, but I could be wrong. I'll fact check it while you talk. And he, he actually, Kirk and McCoy are having a debate. And, you know, don't forget, this is the 1960s. Cold they actually War. make they actually make a Viet- no, but they make a Vietnam reference. Oh, really? Wow. Kirk cold. says to uh, Kirk says to McCoy, "Do you remember the? Do you, he goes, do you remember the 20th century brush wars on the on the Asian continent?" Ah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well done. Um, he said, "The only thing we can do is because the Vietnam War hadn't ended yet, right? Right." And he's like, "The only thing, the only real solution is what happened back then is to balance balance of power." Right. So balance the power between the two of them. So the basically even out the odds. So the fight even the fight. That's what McCoy said. That's what Kirk said. Wow. I bet Kirk wasn't running our foreign policy in the United States. <laughs> I mean interesting. Yeah. Interesting. If one species was more powerful and they were at war. Yeah. Even them out so that they even them out. fight forever. Exactly. Hmm. I've now I just remember him saying that. I don't so I don't remember did. the full context off yeah, the top yeah. of my head. No, but, yeah, I just, but I just remember that conversation between them. Yeah, so they yeah. have dealt with this before. Yeah. Well, not yet. <laughs> oh, yes. <Yeah. laughs> they will deal with it later. Maybe that's why Kirk said do that, because maybe Discovery does something later maybe, on that actually... Maybe he had a sphere that told them everything that happened before. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's interesting. And there was a point when Pike said, Saru, he was like, I, I'm most... Saru said, I'm most qualified to make like decide what to do here he said actually you're the worst person to make these decisions hmm which made sense because he's too emotionally invested but then pike's mind was changed later and i didn't see why other than saru had a freak out like i never saw pike's mind get changed he just one moment was saying you're too emotionally invested to be in on this and then a few scenes later he's saying yes let's right forcibly evolve the entire planet. So I felt it was missing a scene that I wanted to see where his so mind is changed. Even though the but the thing is, even though the even though the Kelpians are not technologically advanced between a Kelpian just sitting there and a and a, a Baul in some ways, mm. by forcing the evolution, they probably they may have balanced out the power. Perhaps. But is that Starfleet's role? You know, you can, I mean, listeners can't see me, but I shrugged. But yeah, no, we don't know. But that's yeah. the, that's what's fun about Star Trek, is it? Well, I and actually, I was watching this with Julia earlier for the second time, my wife, and she said, "I hope that there are some consequences for them for doing this." Right, because in her mind too, it seemed seemed off. Well, yeah, I mean, and just having this discussion, I mean, I like that we were able to have this discussion because I don't recall, and not just with this one, but, you know, with previous past episodes of Discovery as well. I don't recall ever having, like, discussions like this. That's true. This one makes you wonder. Star Trek series. That's a good point. Right. Is it okay? Because then it makes me think about, you know, modern day. You know, we have the group of um, the Kurdish people Mm. in Iraq and Iran, um, that have sort of been our quote-unquote allies in the U.S. for a long time. And we sort of give them weapons and whatnot, but we always side with... We never really fully support them enough to have their own country. Right. So it's like we've kept giving them weapons to keep them fighting, mm-hmm. but it never really ends. Right. So to what end do these things happen? 
And what happens if they fly away or warp away and then they come back, you know, I don't know, a year later and yeah. the Kelpians have genocided the Ba'ul. How do they justify that? What if the Kelpians like overthrow the Ba'ul and you take their technology or something? And... Yes. And they become aggressors in space. Yeah. Man, if the Kelpians like were to become like oh my god, like rivals, bad guys, wow! Oh my god, I want that to happen now. That would be the ultimate payoff, and then everybody gets court martialed. And it's like Pike, what the hell? What what have we done? What did you do? Yeah, what did you do, Pike? And then then they firm up the prime directive, prime directive, and they're like, all right, we mean it now. Really, don't get involved. And Kirk will say to McCoy, "We can't do this because remember the Kelpians. Remember what Captain, remember what Chris Pike did to the Kelpians. Yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> so glad they gave me a ship. Um, that would be a really cool bit of storytelling. Yeah. Ever. Now that at a point I thought because once they started, once they triggered the Ba'ul and the Ba'ul started essentially realizing, oh, they're all going to become aggressive again, and they started to genocide the entire planet. Hmm." I thought, ooh, this is going to be an interesting twist. They overstep, right. and then they actually wipe out all the Kelpians. And then that would explain why we never see a Kelpian. Not that we need that explanation. Because yeah. you'd only have Saru. But that's not what happened, because in comes the uh, superhero of the show. The red, <sighs> the red angel, angel. The quote-unquote red angel. So, okay. Um, cool that it showed up. I, I don't want to say disappointed. I was more confused. Yes. By what we were... By how this ended up. Yes. That it's a person in a suit. A person in a suit. Like, when we saw, like, more detail of the Red Angel, I thought to myself, alright, is the Wasp going to show up ne- <laughs> next to it? <laughs> it had, had that vibe with the mask. It had a very Marvel superhero vibe to it, yeah. Yes. Yeah, alright, well, tell me your thoughts first. Um, well... It was interesting, of course, that to let's re you know look at all the times this thing showed up. Help yep. Spock find Michael mm-hmm. to help a town not get nuked. Right, a town, a town, one town. It was very because there was also a bunch of nukes went off in Japan. They didn't show up for that one. Right, skip that one. But they showed up for this one town. Um. Then, when. When did Michael see them? I'm sorry. Back up a second. Japan? Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I just think it's interesting. <laughs> so, the Red Angels showed up because this town was going to get nuked. This small town with a bunch of people, right? Oh, New Eden, Indiana. Yes. It wasn't Japan. No, but what I'm saying is... <laughs> if they were going... About? So, alright. So, here's my point. <laughs> if they're going through history, correct, like saving people, would oh, it have made did... more sense to save those two enormous cities in Japan that got nuked? Rather than this one town, I, I I mean we don't know we don't know, but it's something I'm throwing out there. So maybe Sorry. they have to have a personal okay. connection. You, I must have just trailed off, and then you said Japan. I'm like, wait, Japan? What? Yeah, yeah. Or like I don't know, there was a little something that happened in Germany and Poland in nineteen late thirties. You're saying that nineteen forties? I mean, what's worse than a nuclear cataclysm or a Holocaust? But at the same time, so they're not just correcting the, the wrong. The thing is, history. yeah, you're saying like with say the Red Angel going back to World War Three, it didn't stop the entire right. Event. But there was that discussion between Tyler, Pike, and Burnham about this. Mm. And when they were saying time travel, I think it was 
uh, I think Tyler said, you know, it's either change. It's sometimes going through. It could be going through history, causing things to happen. So like it's change. It could be like unintentionally changing. Oh yeah. Like what if? What if like? Because we don't know. Trek doesn't go into detail of it. But what if? What if World War Three? began as a result of something the Red Angel did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the person that goes back in time to save Lincoln, and really they wind up causing his death. Right. That kind of thing. We don't know any specifics on what started that conflict. That's true. That's true. And maybe they can so, only travel within their own lifetime, however this... If they're time-traveling. So that brings me to something else. So wait, let's look at the other time anyway, it showed up. So yeah, it showed sure. up for the town, New Eden. It showed up here. It showed up for Spock finding Michael. It, when did Michael see it? Michael saw it... Um, on uh, in the first in brother in the first on the asteroid. Oh right, okay. she was the last one left. Yes, and it was going to wipe out Discovery. And she nothing. I don't. I don't. Was the asteroid? I don't think the asteroid was going to blow up. No, so we're just saving Michael for the second. She time. saw. She saw the angel at a distance. Yes, and then it sort of turned into Pike because Pike beamed in yeah. and took her out and then so, saved her. Okay. So that's yeah. two times it showed up in Michael's life. Yes. Spock finding Spock and then that. Yeah. Um, and that's it, right? Have we seen it? Oh, and then it showed up at, well, the signals, but the signals. Well, what, as you said, New Eden. Um, yeah. And then Saru sees it. Oh, there was a signal in um, Klingon, right? Isn't that right. why? But they didn't actually see it. That's true. That's I don't true. think. Okay. Just so we're clear. When, when, hold on. When Giorgio showed up, she said something about the signals. But when Giorgio Maybe showed, she said when Giorgio showed up, it wasn't like a we didn't see it and then it turned into Giorgio. No, I think, I think so. she just said, "I'm sure you've seen the signals that we've been tracing." Right. I think that was it. I think they've yeah they've seen the signals, but I don't think they're seeing the the angel itself. Yes. Yeah. So we know all that. Those are all the things. So, well, Tyler and Pike give away the everything. To an extent, because they have now settled on the time traveling, it seems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're settled on the fact that it can that it can travel through time. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I mean, obviously, it did because of the people from New Eden. But it pulled people from twenty fifty three. I answer. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the but that's the only instance of it that we've seen. Right. Like, and otherwise, it's sort of circumstantial. They say, "Well, how can it be at these places unless it knows?" Right. So, they settle on time traveling. Um, so, it, I read that it just leaves us as mystery, which is, who is the person or people that are doing right. this? Why are they doing it? What's the connection with Michael? Should we discuss what I said the other day about it potentially changing time? And Oh, yeah. That's so, <sighs> I hate going down this road every time we do, a, we do, a, we do an episode. We haven't talked about Enterprise We haven't talked about this in a while, but... <laughs> Um, so again, on, on the Hades Corner thing, you know, people always talk about, you know, why does Discovery look more advanced than the TOS and that, that sort of thing. And, I, and remember I said to you the, day, the other day, I'm like, what if it's, what if some, what if it's now going through time and then it, it alters history and then suddenly everything begins to look like right, yes. TOS. And I made the joke of, and they cause a lot of deaths by people falling off ledges without railings. <laughs> um... It yeah. does something and it takes away all that technology. That, right, all the technology. You know, all the, yeah, yeah. And the only ship left is Pike's Enterprise or something. Yeah. And the other thing you mentioned, which I thought was great. Or temp- technologically, they just de evolve. They just technologically de evolve. Right. Well, we already. It's a technological de evolution. There's more to that now because when 
it goes to the Ba'ul Stronghold, which, by the way, looked a lot like the Cloners facility in Attack of the Clones. Um, when they go there, the Red Angel shut down all of its tech. Just That's rendered right. it useless. That's right. So, perhaps you are onto something. But even by doing that, it means now you have to paint that railing red, aside from having it black. Yeah, and you gotta paint, not... You gotta you wear know. you gotta wear beehive hairdos, and you gotta have. Uh... <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> they start. They take all the culling technology, and they say to Starfleet, "We're gonna cull anyone that doesn't wear that wants to wear a short skirt and a beehive, or any men that don't have a little bit of a pot belly, uh, <laughs> right? And don't have pointy sideburns." But that would mean that if this gets resolved at the end of the season, from season three onward, it's gonna have the TOS. <laughs> love the TOS look to it. Um, no, but to me, because before this we've only seen the Red Angel sort of like either at a distance or sort of out of focus, we never really got as yes. much detail as we did last time uh, the other night. And even then it wasn't even that detail, it wasn't even that close, we got a much right. closer look. I, I was sort of hoping, and I could still be, I could still be right, but the fact that like it was suggested that it was like, no, it's actually somebody wearing a suit. I thought it was actually like a creature. I think we all did. Right. But no, it's a humanoid yeah. wearing a suit. And I liked, so in the Tyler Pike conversation, I did like that they said, like, well, maybe it's a human, maybe it's an alien. But it seems like, oh, God. I don't know if you get this feel, but you think they're setting it up to be like, it's going to be somebody we know. Future Burnham, um, future Spock, future Tyler, God, future George O. What if it's Spock? Could be George O. Yeah. I mean, I, I made a joke on Twitter. I'm like, maybe it's this is the re- the maybe this is future guy from Enterprise, and this is the resolution of the uh, the temporal cold war that we're finally getting. That would be great, yeah. So just yeah, two, you yeah, you were like, I would love that. Yeah, two guys in a rubber, weird black rubber suits are just gonna show up and be like, we'll take this angel from here. Sorry, but, you're I mean, under what, arrest for violating temporal they did norms. Say, they did say if Enterprise continued, that future guy would have been Archer. So oh, yeah. maybe it's Archer. Oh my god, you know I love that. Wouldn't make any sense, but I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I. I didn't. What if it's Lorca? Well, so I didn't read one of those lists what if it's today. It was like I didn't mean to here are the top suspects. Lorca, Lorca, Lorca. was one. Um, but at the same time, like, what is what's his agenda though? Right. You know, what's his agenda? No agenda. Yeah. No, he wouldn't. Like you can't. We can't really. The only thing that we know with this Red Angel is that it's. Pulling, it's stopping or pulling people out of like uh, apocalyptic or like cataclysmic. Yes, and except for New Eden. Well, I mean, it didn't stop the cataclysm from happening with them, but it stopped it it from happening to them. Yeah, except for New Eden, I would argue that every one of the other times we know they've interfered, have Michael Burnham's been there, right? So, that puts, I think, top candidate is Michael Burnham from the future. What if we found out that somebody from New Eden is a distant relative, relative of Michael Eden? Of Michael but then, Michael Eden. if you brought Michael them Burnham. to another planet, and they that wouldn't really work. Though. Yeah, the New Eden one is the one that doesn't yeah, make sense doesn't. to me yet. Because even if it was their grandfather. But only because this is the way we're looking at it. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, I'm going to say, for that reason, right now I'm making my non-prediction prediction, that it's going to be Michael Burnham. Okay. And two, two reasons. One is that she knows about everything that happened there. And number two, subtle but symbolic, I feel. Mm-hmm. 
She was the only one wearing that white shirt. They set her apart from the rest of the cast visually through this whole episode. Okay. And I think that might mean something. Because she was the only one. So that's my theory. Okay. It's based on very little, as you can tell, but it's fun to, pre- to predict. No, I was just looking up Michael's profile and I was trying to see if, if it's, it was ever established if she was like from Indiana or the Midwest. Ah. Yeah, but no. Oh, one fun thing about that scene was the cheap shot that Tyler threw at Pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the, he said like, we, hey, so Pike says, yeah, if you haven't noticed, we're not at war anymore. And Tyler says, those of us who fought are still being put back together. So right. it was like, you didn't fight Pike. <laughs> it wasn't um, Pike's fault. He was ordered by Starfleet. But you could see it hurt him. It bruised him. He was like, oh, you're right. So that was interesting. I hate Tyler. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a, no, I don't like him. I hate him. And again, he's a reminder to me of that Klingon story that just has no interest to me whatsoever. And it's the it almost as he goes, he has less and less of that. It's almost yeah. like now he's just a guy on the ship, right? Yeah, you were like, why is he? Why is he now in a Starfleet uniform? Why is he not? Yeah, that bothered me a lot. Uniform? He's not. I mean, Section Thirty One. I mean, it's Section Thirty One is Starfleet technically, and I know, you know, but and I get it. He's free oh, to wear whichever one he wants. They want to blend in, but who's the badge then? Section Thirty One. Well, yeah. They, they suck. CIA they suck at blending in because they keep revealing themselves everywhere. <laughs> CIA doesn't walk around with a badge on a CIA on it. No, but FBI wears the jackets. Well, FBI. yeah, but they're not as secretive. No. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, we're, we're the Red Angel's pointing us to some interesting things, but it's not like... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a Russian doll. You open it up and you find another one inside. Like it's you. You get one theory and then there's one thing solved and then another question comes out of it. Yeah, potentially. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I at the at this point, I have no clue what's going on with the Red Angel. Like I can't even really. The theories that were that you're postulating, new obviously New Eden, kind of makes it a little bit more difficult. So, yeah. So do you? Do you think it's someone we know? I, I don't know. Okay. I hope not. I think it's going to be someone we know. I hope it's not. When we look at what we know about the way the seasons have gone and whatnot. Yeah. They like the twist. You know, and what better twist would it be than like, it's coming from inside the uh, discovery, you know? I, I just I think yeah I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's not somebody we know I think it would be weird if it wasn't if it is somebody we know I want it to be like Lorca wow I want it to be Lorca <laughs> wow like prime universe Lorca yeah yeah oh okay yeah because we have because it's not that's true it's not it's it's it was never confirmed that he was dead. That's true. Maybe he just found a cool suit. So, so yeah. And he's been traveling. No, wait. No, I got it. I got it. Here's what it is. Okay. Archer finds a cool suit, right? And then he travels through time trying to set right what once went wrong. And it's a quantum leap crossover. I hope not. No, but, but seriously, though. It, yeah, Lorca could be going around doing that. I mean... 
Hey, if it's somebody from another series, awesome. But well, so I, one of the theories it said uh, Picard from the future. <laughs> what is this? A promo for his new series? Yeah, he's this gonna. Is... It's gonna be uh, Picard colon the Red Angel, and he's gonna be a superhero. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Imagine. No, I, I'm. I'm. The thing is, I'm sticking with Lorca. But I'm only doing that because I think it's cool. Like, I don't have any sort of, like, theory as to why it would be Lorca. Because I don't know what he would be trying yeah, to Yeah, we don't know anything about him. What if it's mud? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think... He would I, be doing that. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, like, just twists and everything. Mm. Or, like, you know, shock value, more or less. But I don't know what... I can't think of a... Because I don't know what the angel is doing, what its intentions are, it's hard for me to sort of put a character in there because yeah. figure out. Well, that's why the only connection. That because I when see you is say like, is it a character that somebody you know somebody that could exist? I'm thinking of like somebody who like has flaws and they're trying to fix something. Right. I don't think I don't know. Bach would go mucking around in in time. Yeah. Although he did do that in the Abrams verse, right? Old Spock did. Yeah. Yeah. In, well, no, he didn't. Not intentionally. He was thrown back in there by accident. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, we would assume it would be Old Spock. Because um, time travel could be I, any age Spock. <laughs> one, one theory that said uh, it'd be Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have that list in front of you? No. Oh. I'd like to know like who else they oh, yeah. thought it could be. But... <clears throat> oh, God. Kirk would be terrible. Okay, so you have so you do have the list actually. I do. So okay. this is a very silly list. It comes from Sci-Fi Wire or Sci-Fi, sci-fi Wire, as yeah. they call it. I know that's it. Uh, yeah, it's Sci-Fi, right? The channel. Mm-hmm. Is their website? Okay. So it's called "Who Is the Red Angel on Star Trek: Colon Discovery: The Candidates, Comma Ranked." Number seven, Captain Kirk. Why though? Do they say why? This one is oh, because Alex Kurtzman and Heather Cadeen have said okay. on more than one occasion, James C. Kirk will not appear in Discovery of the season. But what if it were a future time traveling version of Kirk? So no, they they just argue. Oh, so it's Shatner. Their own thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they could drag away from his horses. I would quit watching the show. Um, At that point, that helmet came off, and it was Shatner <laughs> doing his like. Shit-eating Priceline grin. But if, it, ah! but if it's not this season... I know, it doesn't make sense. All right, make any sense. Prime Captain Lorca. Okay. What? Season 1, Admiral Cornwall assumed he was dead, but you never know. Prime Lorca could have survived, traveled back to our universe, and decided after everything terrible that happened to become some kind of time-traveling vigilante for cosmic justice. It's even conceivable, oh, here's an interesting addition, that the fortune cookie Pike reads in Season 2, Episode 1 was planted by Lorca, since they were originally his fortune cookies. That's weird. That fortune cookie was there just as a nod to the cage. And it was left over from the fake um, Lorca. Right, not Prime Lorca. Yeah, alright. Unless Prime Lorca liked... No, Prime Lorca... Anyway. A throwback to Lothian. First introduced in the cage, Logan Telepathic, we know this. Um, in October 2018, Alex Kurtzman hinted that the Solosians could return this season. Yeah, but they could just return in a flashback. And that helmet wasn't big enough. No. Yeah. They could just return it. So it's a really dumb Telosian because his head's not that big. <laughs> uh, future Captain Pike. 
It, okay, so Anson Mount has said that the goal of putting Captain Pike in Discovery is to render his eventual fate in the original Star Trek as a, quote, victory and not a tragedy. How would that work, realistically? We already know how we wound up in that wheelchair, though. Right. But it seemed like a tragedy to us. Somehow they're going to make that a victory. But he was saving people. Uh, I'm just reading what he was saving cadets. So, well, I don't think sci-fi wire knows their track very well. Well, in the well, you know what Anson Mount said. I didn't know he said that. Well, in the original series, we know Pike ends up crippled, in perfectly active mind, unable to communicate. In the classic episode, the Menagerie. Pike is left on Talos IV, where the Talosians promise Kirk and Spock that they'll take care of him, mostly because they'll give him the illusion that he can use his broken body again. Right. Or they give him a red angel suit. <laughs> I, I threw that in. Um, <laughs> the okay. thing is, All right. who knows what happens to Pike after that point? There's a theory. Here's, a th- here's the theory. Old Pike finds some super advanced Talosian tech that they've just left lying around unused. The Talosians don't care about their tech, remember? Question mark? I guess. Next, he finds a sick time travel suit with a cool EM pulse weapon and travels back in time to help out everyone he cares about. This would neatly explain why the Red Angel has saved so many... You know what? As absurd as that sounds... That's that's, pretty good. that's That's the most believable one. Yeah. So far. That is good. That's the one I believe the most. I haven't even read that one yet. Yeah. Okay, Spock. Spock feels like both the most obvious and the least likely. And yet, current Discovery showrunner Alex Kurtzman would be in familiar territory if a Spock time travel twist was central to his iteration of Trek. Because he did it in the other one. Red Matter. Red Matter? Red Angel? Now we've got younger Spock following the Red Signals and the Red Angel seem familiar. Number two, Picard. Come on, this would be awesome. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no. Maybe time traveler Captain Picard, far from the future. What would, what, what, would, what would his plan be? What if it's Q? Let's see. Chris Murray said the new show, Picard feels terrible about the planet Romulus getting destroyed in the far future, which, like time-traveling Spock, also happened in the 2009 movie. Why would a future Picard want to travel a century and a half into the past? That would be a question. But he's not dealing with that. And he's in a different universe. Here's one... Oh, this is interesting. Okay. Uh, or, or far-fetched, depending on what you think. Here's one thing nobody ever talks about, though. Picard probably has Michael Burnham's memories. How? Well, in Star Trek The Next Generation episode Sarek, Picard mind-melded with Sarek. And it was heavily implied that he got all of Sarek's memories. That's right. In, in discovering, right. we know Sarek mind-melded with Michael Burnham on at least a couple occasions. That's right. Which means Picard must that know... That means Picard has Cybox memories. <laughs> which means Picard must know that in the future, too... Wait. That's weird. The point is, Picard... <laughs> What's weird? It was just a sentence. Oh. Picard might have a connection to Burnham. And the discovery through Sarek. Yeah. But I still don't think that's going to happen. But. Well, I mean, that stuff's not wrong. Right. But at the same time, you still have to establish what would Picard's motive be. Like, what would he be trying to do? Like, yeah. The destruction of Romulus. I remember this Burnham lady. And boy, I really want to help her. But, you know, the destruction of Romulus, if he's trying to fix that, he's he's mucking around in the wrong place. Yeah. And plus, that was different. Actually, and that was a cataclysm that he would be able to go back and fix. Yeah. 
But he didn't. So why would he... Did, yeah. Okay. Well, and number but one... But that's in the future from their point of view anyway. Right. Maybe Burnham's the only one that can fix it. And so he has to see. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Michael Burnham. <laughs> number one choice that was according to Sci-Fi Wire. Michael Burnham. The main character of Star Trek Discovery is, in some ways, the best option for the Red Angel because it would be the most interesting. If the Red Angel saved Michael Burnham when she was a child, and the Red Angel is Michael Burnham, it would explain a lot. All the connections to Spock, the mission of Discovery, literally everything could be explained if the Red Angel were Michael Burnham time-traveling from the future. Although, why would she not save her family from being killed? Maybe she did. Maybe she pulled them out at the last second. Or maybe she didn't because she knows that she wouldn't be the person she is without Starrick and Amanda and Spock. And she made the hard choice to like not want to destroy that by staying on her family. That could be it too. I so, mean, it'd be interesting if it, if it was Michael. But, yeah, I'd want to know more from that. What you just read. Yeah, no, this is into V'ger. <laughs> I'm looking at the comments. I'm V'ger. <laughs> no. <laughs> Though, here's one thing. Whenever we think it's this deep connection to the next generation, it never is. I didn't think it was a deep connection. No, no, well, okay, we, the collective we, fans. Oh. <laughs> fans. So, that's why I think Picard would be hot. Well, I think it's one of those things that they fans would want it to be something like that. Yes. And at the same time, they'd be mad if it, if it ends up being that. Well, yeah, that's just... I think because they want to see some kind of established continuity between the... Yes, although when there is that, they say, why is this universe so small? Right. Um, but yeah, I think that Picard having mind melded with Sarek, who mind melded with Burnham, is too much. I didn't think. Well, the thing it's is, it's fun. I, it's fun, but I actually forgot about that. Like yeah. I forgot. I didn't think that. I'm like, right? He would theoretically have Michael's yeah. memories. Yeah, he is a sphere. <laughs> he has mind melded with the sphere. That, that Picard bald, knows everything. That bald head of his is a sphere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but no, he yeah theoretically would. Yeah. What is he going to do with them? If anything, clearly doesn't do anything with them on the show. So I like the Pike idea the best now. Yeah, could you imagine they open up the thing? He's got melty face. What if they make it look? Oh god, yeah. melty face under the. Th- oh my god, come on! And then a light goes on. There's a green light, and then everyone cries, and he leaves. <laughs> oh no! It wasn't one. It flashed once look, for it, it, it. The thing is, yeah. It, as I said, it sounds like an, an an unbelievably absurd theory. But it works for some reason. Like, I'm into that theory. I'm Me like, too. Yeah. Like, I'm actually into that theory quite In a the bit. Anson Mount quote. Because right. how could they make his end a victory, not a tragedy? Unless... But he was rescuing cadets. Like, he he was doing a good thing. Right, but the I think result, what they mean The is, result yes, is tragic. I think they're saying change the result for being tragic to positive. Yeah, because we don't know anything about Pike after that. Yeah. Because he does go back to Talos at the end of the Menagerie, and we see him... Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just archive footage. It's not actually yeah. Jeffrey Hunter, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Hmm. Fascinating. Possibly. Who knows? But it's fun to think about. It is fun to think about. Yeah. It's very fun to think about. Are we in bonus, bonus uh, content territory here? <laughs> Well, no, because we're still talking about the uh, oh, I know. about the show. So, oh, wait, let me so think. we are definitely uh, recording right now over our time. Over <laughs> <laughs> time. Um, so, all right. Well, we didn't talk about the most important part of the episode: the Greek playwright Aeschylus. Okay. 
So at the end, when we get the um, the how, how do you say it? The like the turnaround, the wraparound of um, uh, Sarah Saru's journal, right? Yeah. And Michael and Saru having a little talk, and they're in the room. Oh, also. We forgot to mention the tender moment between brother and sister in yes. the room with the plants. Mm-hmm. It's nice. <laughs> so, uh, it's very interesting in the way it works. Saru says something like, um, something to Michael, and then Michael responds, Do you know the playwright Aeschylus? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Of course I do. I'm a Kelpian. Of course I know an earth poet. Of course from, I know Greek poets. <laughs> earth Greek poets. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she says, there is no, no, that's right. wisdom comes alone through suffering. Hmm. And then they go further into it, but um, it's just another one of those fun, you know, it's in keeping with the Trek lore or Trek tradition of, of quoting, mm-hmm. you know, Greek playwrights and Shakespeare and yeah. David Bowie. David Bowie. Prince. Yeah. So, yeah, we are definitely, uh, Approached, I think the uh, we approached it, we passed it, we surpassed our uh, yeah, no, so. But I hope it got you through your commute or your, you know, desk duties or your uh, snow shoveling or your um, anything, whatever any, it is that you listen to us while doing. Actually, so. no, it would be fun if any people that make it to the bonus content time at the end, right? Tweeted us what you do while you're listening. I'm curious. Do you go to the gym? Do you drive to work? You know? Hmm. Do you go for a jog? Yeah, I'd like to know that. Do you lie on the floor in the fetal position? How do you listen? Hmm. So we will be back next week with the next episode called Lights and Shadows. Lights and Shadows, where we will finally, I think, see uh, Mr. Spock. I know. This is, um, this is episode, that is episode seven of the season. Mm-hmm. Which feels like, I feel like, to me, it just started. No, it, to me, I feel like it's been on for a while now. I'm oh. like, wow, only in episode seven. I feel so like it's just so started. good, good, you know. But and we how have, many episodes um, total do we have? Um, so one, two, three, four, five. I think there are eight more episodes left this season. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. Um, there's still two episodes we don't know the names of. Um, and Frakes, Jonathan Frakes, is directing um, an episode in two weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you said no break, no mid-season break. No mid-season time. break. Nice. Straight through. It's excellent. So, Jonathan Frakes' episode is called Project Daedalus. Is it data in quotes? Less? Like no, the Greek god Daedalus. Okay. <laughs> um, Project Data. Less. So no data in this episode. Um, right. Like all the other episodes. Yes. So, we will be back next week with, again, Lights and Shadows. Light and Shadows. Light. Um, singular. Shadows. These are plural. very, you know, I think I said this last week, but these are extremely like Discovery episode titles are a lot like DS9 titles. Yeah? Episode titles. Yeah, go look at some of the episode titles for DS9. I will and, do that. Uh, you'll see what I mean. So right now. Um and you're all gonna listen. Don't <laughs> can we just end this? Alright, I know you're do, I know you're hungry. We're gonna do our yeah, I'm starving. I need something to eat. I'm, I'm fucking starving. Alright, real quick. Like toward the end of the toward the end, like the last few seasons, like maybe like season six and like five, six, and seven. Look at those episodes. Right. Look at those episode titles. Extreme measures, the dogs of war, what you leave behind when it rains, the changing face of evil, mm-hmm. strange bedfellows, 
penumbra. Inter arma inim silent leges. Bada bing, bada bang. What the hell? That's a good episode. Chimera, field of fire. Yeah. The emperor's new cloak, prodigal daughter. Yeah. It's only a paper. Image in the sand is one of them. So. Covenant, the siege of AR558. Oh, Once All right. more unto the breach. Dear friends. Treachery, faith, and the great river. All right. Bonus content. Bonus content. Uh, all right. All right. God, what's our Twitter? Our Twitter is Disco Podcast, and our email is indiscoverybetrust at gmail.com. And our Twilight Zone one is at twi- our Twilight Zone Twitter is at for approval. Yeah. So we want to know what do you do when you listen? Yes. Curious. Tweet it. Tweet it. Tweet at us. Tweet at me. Yes. All right. See everyone next week. Yes. Enjoy.